0: M&M Investments. Minus four and investments half on the road. I am all in against bad quarterbacks on impact of quarterbacks. Featuring Mutt and Merloney. A well-rounded football
1: team. I don't think they lose four games in a row. I think right now it's about three and a half. Brought to you by Twin River Casino and Hotel. Check out the brand new sportsbook at Twin River Casino in Lincoln, Rhode Island. Now open. Here's Mike Muttnatsky and Lou Merloney.
0: Let's all say it together. It's the second jewel of the Triple Crown. It's Baltimore. It's crab cakes. It's football. It's horse racing. Hi, ho, Pimlico. Preakness 144 coming up on Saturday. This, of course, the m M&M Investments podcast, the across-the-board version, the horse racing version, the Triple Crown version, whatever you want to call, it, whether you're listening, uh, wherever you're listening, you can listen on the website. My guess is many of you are, weei.com, or on the mobile app, weeiradio.com We thank you. You can also listen. You should know this. Uh, it is new this year. You can listen on iTunes. You can subscribe and, in fact, leave a review. That's a huge help for us uh, on iTunes. Simple to find there. m M&M Investments, Stitcher, SoundCloud, all those uh, normal places you get your uh, uh, podcasts. We are now there as well, whether it's us talking uh, racing here for the Triple Crown, whether it is fast forward a football season where Lou and I are making picks. We hope this is going to be a year-round M&M Investments gambling horse racing podcast for you to listen to wherever you take in your podcast. Uh, we're on top of the Preakness today. Obviously, Matt Bernier, Daily Racing Form, Dick Girardi, courtesy of ExpressBet. We'll spend some time uh, talking about the Preakness itself. We'll spend some time handicapping amongst the three of us the late pick four on Saturday uh, that's going to start with race 10. It's a 50 cent minimum. It's a $2 million purse. It is a great bet to get involved in. So we'll talk about those races that lead into the Preakness, two or three races there. And the Black Eyed Susan on Friday, which presents an interesting betting situation because you can you can bet this this daily double, this separate day double. We can bet the Black Eyed Susan uh, into the Preakness. So if you like a favorite in the Preakness, and uh, we're going to give you some chalky horses today, unfortunately, in the Preakness, the way to impre- increase the price on those horses is to play the double with the Black Eyed Susan into the Preakness, and we'll do that uh, over the course of the next uh, 40 minutes or so here on the podcast. Spent a lot of time on Tuesday's podcast. Yes, a two-podcast week uh, with Jessica Paquette talking about the Derby DQ. You can go back and listen to that, get Jess's thoughts uh, on the Preakness and racing, live racing this weekend at Suffolk Downs, where I will be on Sunday taking in some of the races, hopefully uh, on a nice sunny day here in Boston as Suffolk Downs has their final six race days uh, beginning this weekend, then again Belmont weekend, then at the end of June, uh, Jerry and Curtis and Ken like to suggest that I don't give out winners on this podcast. The reality is, it's been a mixed bag. But, but, and hopefully I'm not jinxing myself here, this has been the one. You go back over the years. We told you that uh, Exaggerator a couple of years ago was going to turn the tables and win the Preakness. He did that. We told you uh, just a couple of years ago that Cloud Computing at thirteen to one was going to win the Preakness. We gave you the winner. We gave you the exact. gave you a huge try in that race. This has been among all my Triple Crown races, going back to when I first started following racing, uh, when a Fleet Alex won that thing. This has been my most successful Triple Crown race. I'd love to tell you I have some great exotic idea this year. I really don't. And We'll get to my picks coming up at the end of the podcast, after we talk to Matt and after we talk to Dick Girardi. But you don't have to have huge prices to win. You can single a horse and a pick four. You can key on top, exactas, and tries. Hell, if you get prices underneath, you're going to make money. And that's what this whole thing is about. So hopefully over the next uh, 40 minutes or so, we'll give you some ideas on what to do uh, in this Preakness. It is lacking star power, quite frankly. Uh, No Derby winner. None of the top four from the Derby are in this race for a a multitude of reasons. So uh, it's going to be a race that uh, there are a couple of horses up top that feel like the most likely winners. And then we'll try to find some prices underneath in this Preakness where it is, uh, having been to a Preakness, I can tell you, it is a great party. Uh, If you're picking out one Triple Crown race, especially if you're in Boston and you're trying to decide, I want to go to a big race, I'd say first Saratoga. Go to the Travers. You're welcome. Uh, After that, it's the Preakness, man. Baltimore is not that expensive. You make your plans ahead of time. You can get a decent hotel room. You get a quick uh, Uber to the racetrack. Just going to the infield for the infield party itself is worth the price of admission. So if you're picking one, this is the place to do it. There'll be huge coverage on NBC this weekend. Our, uh, a whole cast of characters will be there. Uh, and it's a fun take if you're looking for one Triple Crown race to go to, having uh, been there uh, years, years back when Shackleford won the Preakness. Didn't have that winner that year either. Uh, I can tell you the Preakness is a lot of fun. And hopefully this year we'll try to make it profitable. We'll talk to Dick uh, Girardi, ExpressBet coming up. We'll talk to Matt Bernier right now as we try to handicap Preakness. 144 here on M&M Investments. Preakness weekend, second jewel of the Triple Crown. We'll try to do better than we did on Derby weekend, where uh, my horse finished fifth and eventually fourth, and uh, Matt Bernier, i have the recap. Where, where did you end up, Matt, last week with your official Derby pick on the podcast? I think Win-Win-Win ended up via disqualification ninth. See, that's not I that think. bad. You got, him, you got him into the top ten. He was also not, that, uh, not into the race early. My guess is you were looking for a little more aggressive ride from Win-Win-Win as that race went on a couple Saturdays ago. I just
1: I felt like Julian Pimentel, the rider, waited way too long to, to commence a bid. Any of those horses that are going to be coming from way out of it, like a horse like Win 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 was, you, you got to start that run early. And look, there's a chance you might get shut off, but the only chance that you have to win a race like that is to go for home just inside the half mile three eighths pole kind of situation. And instead, he waited till the top of the lane. I don't want to put all the blame on him. I have no idea if the horse would have been closer or not. But the the point is, he finished with the fifth fastest quarter mile in the race. I would have liked to have seen what would happen had he started to run a little bit earlier.
0: All right, up front we saw Jason Service and Maxim Security uh, cross the line first and eventually get DQ'd. You spent a lot of time talking about this. I talked about it on Tuesday's podcast with Jessica Paquette of Suffolk Downs. Just a 30-second thumbnail, Matt. I think they got it right, and it's frustrating that uh, we don't see Service run this horse back in the Preakness would add for a, It'd make for a much better race if they ran him back this uh, this weekend, this one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, there'd be much more intrigue to this race uh, from a sort storyline story standpoint. Uh, from a betting standpoint, I think it's nice that he's not here simply because the race is a little bit more wide open, I agree with you. I think stewart stewards got it right. Now, look, the stewards deserve a ton of criticism because they didn't hang an inquiry sign to begin with, but um, in my opinion, it was a very clear-cut foul. Uh, the best horse was not awarded the victory. Uh, country House was never going to win the race, but That's just kind of how the system is right now, and until there's some sort of changes going forward, um, I think we just have to accept the result and move on.
0: Uh, We turn the page to Pimlico, and we turn the page to Baltimore. At least for now, we'll see what this race is in the next couple of years and is the Preakness, and it is lacking on star power, Matt, that is for sure. Uh, I know even before the Derby that you thought the number one horse in this race, War of Will, who was definitely affected in the Derby with the DQ of Maxim Security, maybe the most affected horse in that race, you had already picked War of Will to win the Preakness weeks ago. Uh, what what puts you on this horse? Let's talk about his chances as the 4-1, to one, uh, one of the top choices in the race on Saturday.
1: Yeah, For me, it, it's real simple with a horse like this. You have to go back to the Louisiana Derby to sort of start building this case where going into the Louisiana Derby, he was 4-5 to five that day, and he had done nothing wrong here on the main track. In that race, the ground breaks from out underneath him just shortly out of the gate. He ends up pulling a muscle, it's just a, basically a disaster and a non-effort. I'm drawing a line through it thinking that he didn't get any kind of fitness out of that. If that's the case, he really hadn't had a real race since the Risen Star in the middle of February, leading into the Kentucky Derby, going 10 furlongs. I understand he was training great. And my logic, my, my kind of thought was, I want him to run a really solid race in Louisville, and for one reason or another, maybe he feels the effects of such a long layoff, the, the, you know the distance, given the fact that it's going to be his first start in essentially, what, three months? Um, and I have to be honest with you, even without the sort of controversy and him being impeded, it's basically what I got. I got everything that I was hopeful for. He was a little bit eager early on. I think that was because Gaff Leone had to urge him a little bit from the inside. Um, it, to me, it was, a, it was everything that I could have hoped for from the derby leading into this race. I expect the best effort, the best version of War of Will that we've seen just yet. If it's good enough, uh, we'll find out. But I, I, I think he's sitting on his best. Best race to
0: date. All right, so I don't like him nearly as much as you do, so I'll I'll ask you the questions that I would ask anybody who likes War of Will, the number one horse in the Preakness, uh, on Saturday. First of all, if he he had his chance, right, even after the foul top of the stretch, he had a chance to make up ground. He still ends up finishing eighth. I understand that he probably would have finished further up, but wasn't that a a big enough of a sample size to recognize he was never going to make a huge run and that, yeah, you know, he he was not uh, the, the the actual foul itself didn't put him in a spot where it necessarily cost him the race. He had his chance in the last quarter mile to make his run. He never did.
1: No, hundred percent. He was never going to win that race. I think the foul ended up costing him some momentum. And I agree. I think he would have finished better than eighth. He was eventually moved up to seventh via DQ. But that was that's sort of the the built-in case that I have for this horse is that I expected him to feel the effects of all that long time off because the Louisiana Derby for me was essentially a non-effort. So I expected him to really kind of feel the effects of being gone for so long in that final eighth of a mile. It's exactly what we got. He flattened out at the very end. I think he's going to gain a ton of fitness out of that race and be sitting on tilt here for this race here. A few years ago, remember, when American Pharoah won the Triple Crown, uh, I believe Dick Girardi was the one that even said it, that the, the Kentucky Derby wasn't his sort of – he wasn't ready to go. He wasn't fully cranked up and peaked for that race. That was the tightener. And the race at Pimlico was going to be his coming out party, and that's for exactly what we got. Uh, I'm expecting the same thing from of Will. Uh,
0: is there any chance that he really liked the off-going? I thought Country House and, uh, obviously, Code of Honor really enjoyed it, and they both got moved up. Uh, this is a horse that is, is bred for it. He has a win uh, on this sort of surface on a sloppy track. He broke his maiden at Churchill on a sloppy track, uh, in fact, to break his maiden back in November. I thought there was at least some argument that he, he unlike a lot of the horses last Saturday, really enjoyed the off going in that race.
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't argue with that. Like you say, he broke his maiden over a sloppy field track at Churchill back in November of last year, and I I thought he got over it very well as opposed to perhaps some of the other horses that may not have appreciated it in Louisville a couple weeks back. But uh, to me, it's not necessarily that that's why he he ran or earned the figures that he did. Uh, I think he did it because he's a talented horse. He can run on basically anything. I go back to his two-year-old year. I think all of his grass races were really strong. He just didn't happen to win any of them. He was in three graded stakes races as a maiden. Um, I I just i am very high on this horse. I think he's very talented. And Mark Cassie and company have been saying the same thing. Now, they're concerned about the inside draw. Um, I have to be honest with you. If he loses, I'd be stunned if it's because of the one hole.
0: Yeah, going into the race uh, in the the post-draw on Wednesday, he joked uh, to the media there in Baltimore, the one thing we don't want is the one hole. And, of course, War of Will, like he did in the Derby, he draws the one hole. So those are my questions for him. I also think he's going to be... The 4-1 to one is a pipe dream. Uh, I think that everyone saw the trip in the Derby, and I think he is going to be the horse people gravitate towards because nobody wants to bet Improbable. I picked Improbable in the Derby. He is 5-2 to two right now, and nobody, Matt, wants to pick this horse. I would just point out that he might be the fastest horse in this group. He might not have enjoyed the wet track in Baltimore. Why are you against what looks like on paper Bob Baffert, Improbable Mike Smith, the stone-cold lock favorite and most likely winner in this race?
1: Uh, well, I mean, look, we talked about it leading into the Derby. I expected him to be much more forward than he was. The trip that you laid yep. out is exactly the trip that he got. Yeah, it didn't work out. Um, and I have to be honest with you, I just I thought he was fine. I thought he, it was an inoffensive effort. I just never thought he looked like a winner at any point. He was in a perfect position. Uh, maybe the wet track is not ideal for him, but we didn't really hear that as an excuse two starts back with Omaha Beach. And he ran, you know, ran his eyeballs out and just wasn't good enough. Um, to me, you know, I can understand anyone that looks at both Improbable and War of Will and says, you know, on paper, they really don't have any kind of giant edge on anybody else in this field. There's a reason that it's a 13-horse field, and your favorite's probably going to be 2-1, to 5-2 to in this spot. Um, I- I'm not way against Improbable. I would just absolutely love to see them be much more aggressive with him. I'm sick of this whole thing, sitting in behind horses. I'm not convinced that's where he's at his best. Get him out into the clear and let him roll. And if that means that you sit just off a warrior's charge who's drawn just to the inside, so be it. You think you're better than him. Just be more aggressive with him out of the gate.
0: Um, I I look at his uh, his efforts on fast tracks, and I just think that my year for him would be moved too quickly and just sort of hung a little bit, and the Rebel got run down by long-range toddy. Got a couple of sealed tracks that he was not a big fan of. Gets back in a fast track two weeks, a 30% move for Bob Baffert. Um, And I know he's the chalk, but I think he is the most likely winner. Give me the... The, the final odds, like if people follow Matt, you know that he does these value lines for horses where he looks at these races and says, here's the value, here's why I'd bet this horse at this price. Forget that for a second, Matt. What do you think when they go to post just after 6 o'clock on Saturday, how close are war, will, and improbable uh, in, the, in their off, the off odds in this race? Cause I think they're much closer than 5-2 to two in the 4-1 to one in the morning line.
1: Yeah, I, I think Improbable is probably the favorite at 2-1, to one, and I could see War of Will being 5-2, to 3-1, to one, yeah. somewhere in that range. Uh, and then after that, you're going to get a little bit of a gap. I don't know how big the gap's going to be. I, I don't know that I totally agree with the morning line odds in this race because uh, I think Bourbon War is going to take an absolute ton of money in this spot.
0: Well, let's talk about Bourbon War. He is owned uh, by Bourbon Lane Stables. They have some Boston connections, met uh, Jim uh, our buddy Jim, we met us at Mohegan Sun a couple of weeks ago. Mark Sullivan, who's from uh, the Charlestown area, also part of this group. And he's a horse that I, I, I'm going to at least leave it open to the possibility, if you're talking about win candidates, that there's a scenario in my mind, Matt, where he can get it done, especially if you believe that he got a, a bad trip in the Florida Derby, his last race back on March 30th, a very slow pace. He came running with Code of Honor, who went on to won uh, a big race in the Kentucky Derby. He was up against it that day. I think there's plenty of pace in this race. We'll get to the race. I think it's going to take money, but I would say rightfully so. I think Bourbon War is a legitimate shot in this race. Morning line twelve to one. The two horse.
1: Yeah, to, to me, if you're if you're not sold on improbable or War of Will, Bourbon War is the alternative in yep. here. I picked him second. Um, I agree with the Florida Derby. There was no pace that day. The main track at Gulfstream was very, very kind to of speed on March the 30th. The blinkers go on, but but don't let that sort of be a. A Sort of concern or anything it's just a very, very short cup, and it's basically just to get him to focus a little bit more when he's turning for home and making his bid from the back of the pack. He brought up the pace. There should be plenty of it signed on. I mean this is a horse that had he gotten into the Kentucky Derby, I think he would have been i don't want to say the wise guy horse, but he would have taken a fair amount of, of money in a spot like that. I think he fits in here very well, especially when you consider there's only one grade one winner in this field it's improbable, and he did that as a two year- old. This is a very this is a very wide open race. I'm not going to fault anyone. I, I look I look at it and say it's rather chalky, but at the same time, I'm not going to argue with anyone that wants to take a big shot in here.
0: Well, who else would you put as win contenders? We did this for the Derby. It didn't work out for me, but it, I thought it was a good exercise. Like who who would you had the race open to if you had to say only true win contenders? Obviously, War of Will uh, down on the inside. We both think can win the race. I'm against more than you are. Uh, Flip flop it for improbable. We mentioned Bourbon War. Anyone else you would leave open to? winning the race on top and putting win money in this Preakness on Saturday, Matt?
1: I mean, there's, there's probably only two other horses that I would get a little bit creative with. Uh, I don't I don't particularly love them. I'm not laying out a major case for either of them. I still think win-win-win is an outside chance if you believe the pace is going to end up being ballistic and he can come with a long bid. He's got the local Maryland connections in there. He's a very long shot in here, but he's one that if you really wanted to get crazy, um, and the other one would be the, the genuine local horse. Um, always Binding hasn't done anything wrong Here is a three-year-old. I'm not totally convinced that his running style against better horses is going to translate. I think he's a talented horse. Hard to argue with seven for 12 lifetime. But, uh, you know, if you were really against the big three, and that's kind of how I look at it. I look at it like those three horses are, are clearly, you know, the, the win contenders, and then you have everyone else. Um, I, I would get creative with Always
0: Mining and perhaps win-win-win. See, and, and Always Mining was interesting to me because it, it, I thought before the, the last couple of days of, of the lead-up to this race that he might be on the lead by himself, but the way this thing is shaped up now, and if you look, go use Formulator, that's what I use, DRF Formulator, it's a great product. Go to DRF.com, get all the details there. I mean, you look at the pace projector, uh, projector from time form. There is all of a sudden Warriors Charge, who's going to have to be forwardly placed. He's got a one eleven uh, time form early pace figure. Uh, Market King, who checked in late to this race, one seventeen ever fast. Who is a real late entrant is a one eleven early Bodie Express. I think wants to be forwardly placed. So you've got this big group of horses, Matt. Another twist of fate uh, on the outside. I think has to go from where he is. The twelve post position uh, did him no favors. This feels like a, a group of horses that could set it up for somebody from either just off the pace or maybe from the clouds, because there is a lot of early speed sign at least how I view it. Do you view it the same way?
1: Yeah, I think that you have a number of horses that want to be forwardly placed. You know, I said it to Ilman when we went over the, the Preakness draw itself, that, you know, the, the interesting thing about these horses that want to be forward, it's not like any of them are burners. Most of these horses, and I understand some of them at shorter distances, still have the ability to make the front, but in these route races, a horse like Always Mining, a horse like Market King, and even Warrior's Charge... They've been getting half miles in 47 and two, 47 and three. It's not like we're setting land speed records out here. Um, I think you're going to have a number of horses that want to be forward. I, I, I said I think the over under for a half is 47. I feel like it could be 46 and four. I feel like it could be 47 and one. I don't think it's going to be off the charts fast, but I think it will be fast enough where if you like a closer in this race, there shouldn't be any excuse. If they're good enough, they should have an
0: opportunity. Yeah, there, there's just too much speed. So if it's 47, I'm going to be shocked. And uh, and and who knows, You know, maybe one of the speeds can hang on up front uh, if it ends up being 47. But consistently, you go back and look at old Preaknesses, it is year in and year out somewhere in, in the 46 and change range. And given the amount of speed sign on, especially late, with Market King for D. Wayne, who's got one direction to go, and that is to go up front with John Cord. He's sort of got to go. So uh, you've laid your hand out here for War of Will you're going back to him at four to one. The one horse you mentioned, Bourbon War, second. Let's talk about prices underneath, Matt. Who would you uh, point people towards? Uh, bottom of exotic tickets, trifectas, and superfectas as horses that can get up to it. Because if War Will wins at four to one, we're going to need some prices underneath. Health, and probably wins. I'm really going to need some price underneath. Who are the prices you want to use in the bottom of uh, exotic tickets on Saturday?
1: Yeah, definitely using win-win-win underneath. I think he's a horse that can come with a late bid. Uh, and again, if the pace ends up being faster, the way that you have laid it out, uh, I think a horse like Laughing Fox could end up coming along yeah. and picking up some pieces. I don't think he's fast enough to win this race, at least right now. He's certainly not. Uh, but he's the kind of horse that it feels like he'll run all day. You look at the way that he's gone in his races, especially in that Oaklawn Invitational, that first running of that most recently, he, he he doesn't have any kind of early speed. You know where he's going to be at the beginning of the race, at the back, but Perhaps if some of these horses end up finding this distance a little bit demanding or the class a little bit too much, uh, I think Laughing Fox could be the kind of horse at a big, big price that can come along and pick up some pieces. I guess I'm torn on some of the other sort of logical contenders in here. Another twist of fate, I think he's a really talented horse. There's just, you know, he wants to be relatively close, too, and I I, I don't know. The, well, the don't you agree, though, the, team, the,
0: the the outside post draw kills him here. I mean, the, the numbers are staggering. You look at the, the post nine and beyond it, they're 7-4, I have it in front of me here, 7-for-89. They don't win from the outside there, and he sort of has to go and be part of it. I'm with you. He's got a good grinding style. He ran well in the Sunland, ran well in the Lexington Derby, run down by Owendale, who we'll circle back to. But he he, he, he drew, of all the contenders, he got the toughest draw in this race. I'm surprised he is still 6-1 to one on the morning line. It's going to be a higher number than that based on the post-draw.
1: You know, the only thing I would say about this horse with the outside draw, you're right, look, it's, no, it's not ideal that he's going to have to carry as much ground going into the first turn as he's going to, but in the Lexington and the Sunland Derby, as well as he ran in both of those races, you go back, at no point is he really comfortable in and amongst horses, and his trainer, Blaine Wright, said that. He goes, he's the kind of horse that kind of likes to be by himself, whether he's in the clear on the front or outside. And look, I mean, so far, all three of his wins in gate-to-wire fashion where there's nobody in front of him, um i almost wonder you know look again you don't want to be going a mile and a quarter in a mile and three sixteenths race but if jose can just keep him in the clear and he doesn't have to deal with any traffic to the inside i almost wonder if you're a fan of this horse if that's not the worst case scenario i don't love him in here uh but i could understand folks that still want to make the case for him maybe this outside draw is not terrible for him
0: yeah he got bothered to start in that lexington too i don't think it would have been enough because owendale just ran a different race talk about horses map that Looked like they dropped in at the quarter pole. Owendale, who's the number 5 horse, he's 10-1 to for Brad Cox. He made this huge sweeping move and just absolutely closed the door. Ran by far by our top of 98. Uh, You said Bourbon War was going to be sort of the wise guy horse. I felt like it was going to be Owendale given how well he closed in this race. And if you believe that uh, Brad Cox is sending Warriors charge as sort of a rabbit for Owendale, he's going to get the setup if they go fast in this race. What did you think of the 5 horse?
1: I have no idea where the Lexington came from. Uh, the, run, the run three starts back from a buyer standpoint. Yeah, the 91 was fast, but the time form rating was not nearly as fast. And usually a good kind of comparison, it's about a 20-point differential between the time form rating and the buyer speed figure. And when those numbers, when it's less or greater than 20, that's when you've got to start looking at them a little bit sideways and trying to figure out which one you think is accurate and which one you think is a little bit off. Um, the Lexington was not the case. The 98 buyer checked out well. I believe that he earned a 120 time form U.S. rating. I, again, I I don't really know where that race came from. He absolutely blitzed that field on the far outside. If you think he's you know coming into a race like this in that kind of fashion, and you think that he can take another move forward, second off the bench, I, I look, I can understand anybody using him. I just. To me, I kind of want him to prove to me that he's actually that good.
0: All right, so Matt Bernier is going war of will on top. He's picked this horse for about a month to win the Preakness, drew the one hole. American Pharaoh Tabasco Cat, the only horses who have won from that post position the last 50 years at the Preakness. But Bernier says, screw that, we're going with the one. We're sticking <laughs> with our gut. you got war of will on top, bourbon war second. How How'd you round out your top four in the four, Matty?
1: One, two, four,
0: 13. I'll use improbable in third and win,
1: win, win in fourth.
0: All right, let's talk about some other races here. And this is a quick turnaround because we got the PPs late on Wednesday night. Uh, but a race that Matt and I, I think I want to say this uh, uh, pretty uh, confidently, one of the races that we've had the most confidence in and one of the races we've made money on over the years on this podcast, not only has been the Preakness, but the Dixie, the grade two turf race that leads into that. And uh, it took me about three seconds, Matt, to land on my horse. I know he's 7-2 to two, But I'm going to be all about Inspector Lindley and Sug McGahey in this spot. He's won this race before. I see a bunch of speed in here. I know people are going to bet Catholic Boy uh, on the outside. The Travers winner getting back to the turf. He is part of a lot of speed, I thought, early in this race, especially on the turf. And I'm going to be all about Inspector Lindley, the 11 horse in the Dixie. What do you think of this race, which will be the the daily double leading into the Preakness in addition to one of the late pick four uh, uh, races leading into the Preakness?
1: Yeah, look, if you're playing the multis, Inspector Lindley and Catholic Boy, they're, they are the two obvious horses in this race from a number standpoint, from a running style standpoint. Catholic Boy, I think he's a little bit more versatile than just going to the front. But, I mean, they're very clearly the horses to beat in here. So I tried to look at it a little bit outside the box, saying, Good. you know what, look, I understand they, they could easily win this race. There's a horse in here that, look, he's 100 years old, but I still think there's a chance that Flash Phelps might have one last shot in the in, in tank. You take a look and see, he's a horse that most recently in that Henry S. Clark, he finished behind three other horses in a, in a seven-horse field, so it might not look great at face value. But the time form rating came back very, very competitive. He's two for three at Pimlico, never been out of the money in three starts at Pimlico. And take a look at his overall body of work. This is a horse that's second start off the bench when the connections can keep him right. That's been the biggest problem with him. He's only run 22 times, and he's eight years old. Second start off the bench, he always takes a step forward here, if you're looking to go outside of the box and looking against the two obvious favorites, maybe Flash Phelps is one that you want to throw in there.
0: Yeah, it's a very interesting race. A deep field, they'll go deep. And obviously Catholic Boy is going to get a lot of uh, attention in that spot. Have at it for uh, Christophe Kamat, who ran in the Hollywood Derby, only 10-1 to 1 in that race a year ago. So you want to talk about a little bit of a class drop going from a grade 1 to a grade 2. And then Flame Away as well. You mentioned Mark Cassie, uh, Matt. Flame Away has been a horse that a lot of people, the six horse at 8-1 to on the morning line, they suggest that uh, he's always wanted turf. I know he's entered in a couple of races this weekend, but if he were to go, that would add some intrigue to this race as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and I I agree. I I think this is the kind of horse that he's probably wanted turf all along. and the only reason that he's run on the dirt as long as he has, because he's respectable on both surfaces. But I think getting him back to the grass is probably ultimately where he'll end up doing his best work. Uh, He won that Kitten's Joy early on as a three-year-old. He ran well enough in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. I don't think it was a terrible effort. He was up close to a hot pace and just paid the price late, but – um, I'll be interested to see where they ultimately choose to go with them. If
0: you like four to one on War Will, or you like uh, the five to two on Improbable, you're going to want to try to increase that price. You can do that by playing uh, the Black-eyed Susan Preakness Daily Double. This starts on Friday, so we'll go back to Friday, race eleven. This is the Phillies, Matt. Uh, they're going to go three. Uh, they're going to go a mile and an eighth on the main track there. They're expecting it to be pretty dry, so I'm, I'm expecting a fast track. And uh, I think this is a race where if you want to focus in on your horse or uh, a short price in the Preakness. You've got to find a winner here to try to make it a double. Uh, I thought there were four potential winners out of this uh, Black Eyed Susan, Matt. Where'd you land in the uh, Phillies version of the Preakness on Friday night?
1: I think the most likely winner is Point of Honor, and I, I think she's she's pretty talented. I didn't end up picking her, but I, I think she's the most likely winner in the race. Uh, to be honest, I, I, don't, I don't love the race as a whole, uh, so I wanted to try to get a little bit more creative here. And, and full disclosure, I, I've thought the Gazelle for a long time is just a, a bit of a clunker of a race. But at the same time, if I'm taking anyone out of there, I want to go with off-topic, one of two in here for Pletcher. She's actually the one that finished third in behind Always Shopping. Um, I just kind of felt like the way that race was run, there was no pace signed on, Always Shopping had a dream trip in there, up forward, was able to hang on. But I I didn't think Off Topic really appreciated being in behind horses. This is a filly that is bred to go 10 miles, forget about a mile and an eighth. I think second start off the bench, she's paired up career with fire tops of seventy eight. She's she's not the most likely winner, but at 8-1, to one, if you want to try to go against a horse like Point of Honor, um, I, I'm going to give off-topic a look.
0: Yeah, Point of Honor has run with some great uh, three-year-old fillies, obviously Champagne, anyone, uh, Beat Lady Kate, two back. So she's been involved in some classy races. You mentioned the horse that I think I'm going to probably focus on. There are a couple of horses here. Your, to- your horse off-topic, I thought Brill for Jerry Hollendorfer had a look at 5-1, to one. Uh, obviously Point of Honor. I think my focus is going to be on the other one out of the gazelle, and that's going to be Always Shopping. Who since They've got her out to that mile and an eighth. She's now two for two. I love Phillies, Matt, who have already shown the ability to run at that distance. And this may be one of these horses just that, 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 that finds that distance to their liking. And if Point of Honor is going to be uh, involved early with Lasetas on the outside, Brill's got some speed early, too. Uh, Always Shopping is shown, even on a slow pace, if they're not going fast, she can sit off. Manny Franco has uh, got two wins under... I know she's four to one, but I felt like she is bred for it. And that consistency two for two at a mile and an eighth, that was the bigger factor for me. I ended up on always shopping in this race.
1: Yeah, both of Pletcher's horses, they feel like if you're looking for anyone that's bred for the distance and and has already shown that a mile and an eighth is within their scope... I think those are the two two of the more obvious ones anyway. And like you say, the, the idea that she can be a little bit more forwardly placed in a race where if you do believe that there's going to be some pace, she doesn't have to have the lead, but all of a sudden, if for some reason they don't go, you know that she has no problem going up there and being relatively close. Uh, I can understand the, the – look, if I'm going to make a case for off-topic, I can understand anyone making a case for always shopping.
0: Yeah, three or four of these could win. You can use these horses in the black-eyed Susan. Preakness double and try to juice up your price – Uh, in the Preakness map. Pick any other spot Friday or Saturday. Give us one more before we get you uh, out of here.
1: Yeah, Saturday, uh, the fifth race, the James W. Murphy, it's a turf race for three-year-olds on the grass. Uh, There's a couple of horses in here that I'm sure a lot of people will look at, whether it's a horse like Current or War Film, some of these horses that have run fast. I'm fascinated by real news. Uh, The number five horse goes out for Al Al Stahl. It's going to be his first time going out to two turns. But what he's done thus far through three lifetime starts, he's done nothing wrong, really. Most recently in the Palisades Turf Sprint down at Keeneland, uh, I love the way that he finished. He absolutely flew home. He couldn't run down Bulletin, but Bulletin was the horse that was cutting out the fractions. And I understand folks will probably look at it and say, well, Bulletin bombed on Derby weekend at 1 to 10. He's the only horse that has exited that race and really hasn't sort of acquitted themselves nicely. You've had five other horses come back out, and they've all either equaled or bettered their buyer speed figure. Uh, I think there's a real chance that you could be looking at a solid turf runner down the road in real news uh, the distance, sure, until they do it, you never know. I think a mile should be within his scope. Uh, I'm going to give him a look. Real news.
0: Well, we didn't get the Derby right, obviously, but uh, you go back and listen to the podcast. <laughs> Digital Age was a horse, mat that we talked about uh, quite a bit as we went through the stakes races. Digital Age went off on Derby Day at 7-8 to 1, the most overlaid price of the weekend. And in talking to people who listen to the podcast, they keyed in on that horse and made some money in those races. hopefully we're able to do that and on this undercard, the Pick 4, the Black Eyed Susan Preakness, and hopefully... Ah, uh, people are tuned into Matt's work at video.drf.com. What else planned, Matt, for coverage uh, this week of these races, beginning uh, with the uh, Friday big Friday card uh, in Baltimore as well.
1: Yeah, most of the Friday races should be up as far as stakes previews are concerned. I'll be recording my podcast this afternoon, going over the two big ones—one on Friday, one on Saturday—and then we'll have out of the gate, which will be recorded later on this afternoon. We'll go through all the Saturday stakes races as well. So. Uh, everything you need, video.drf.com.
0: Bernie, your underscore Matt on Twitter. He tweets out uh, during these races as well, Matt. Excellent stuff as always. We'll talk to you uh, prior to the Belmont here in three weeks. Good luck, Mike. I'm going to give Dick Girardi credit, and Dick Girardi joins us. Of course, he's the award-winning writer uh, with us once again, courtesy on the podcast of ExpressBet. Visit ExpressBet.com. They have the free Preakness Wagering Guide. You can also wager there on the races. When he can't get to the track, whether it be Suffolk Downs this weekend, live racing there, Uh, get to Twin River, Mohegan Sun, wherever, ExpressBet.com as you covered with their free Preakness wagering guide as well. Our buddy Bob Newmeyer with some thoughts in there. So uh, I think you're the first person I've uh, talked to, Dick, who uh, had maximum security, who liked the horse going in and picked the horse. And I'm going to give you credit for having the winner, even though he did not win the Derby. Uh, He gets DQ'd. Walk us through it, having picked the Derby winner, the, that 22-minute stretch where they looked and they looked, they looked, and eventually they DQ the seven-horse out of the top spot in the Derby two weeks ago.
2: So I'll take credit for picking the winner, in, in quotes. It did not cost me any money because I did not have the exact, I did not have any 720, so I think I could be objective about what I saw. I've never been a fan of disqualifications because uh, I think it's just too arbitrary over time. Was there interference in this race? Yeah, I think everybody saw what happened on the far turn. I think where the stewards made the mistake, and I was not in favor of the disqualification, was they didn't keep looking after the incident. Um, Did the horses that were impacted, were they going to finish in the money anyway? The only one who would have had a chance was War of Will. I thought he uh, got back into the race instantly, very athletic, made a huge run, 400-yard run, to stay with maximum security, but he just couldn't stay within the last 100 The other two horses I thought were about to back up anyway, so I thought they were kind of irrelevant. So we end up with
0: the best horse finishing
2: 17th and the second-best horse winning the Derby. I just had a bad feeling in my mouth,
0: I thought there was another
2: way they could have looked at it. I just wish they had.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting in that I I, I think they got the call right on my end. I am surprised, though, that it took a couple of jockey objections, Dick, to actually look at. The stewards in Kentucky were not even going to take a look, and that to me is almost as concerning long-term for the sport, that they didn't see enough in that picture to at least, if they weren't going to DQ them, and they eventually do, at least look at it, right? I mean, that that's weird that it took that sort of setup to even look at it from the stewards' end.
2: Yeah, they did a terrible job of explaining anything to the public, and certainly the NBC people. I really felt bad for some of my friends on the broadcast, they were put in that they were really in the dark as to what was going on on January. They should have lit the inquiry sign. I saw it immediately. That I knew there was something that had happened. Obviously you need to see it again before you're sure what had happened. They never told us there was any objection other than by the second place finisher, uh, never mentioned that the the long range toddy and John Cord had objected. So nobody knew that. Nobody really knew what was yeah. going on. And then of course, when it was over, Everybody was kind of. Wait a second, what just happened here? And when they finally came down to explain it, they just read a statement. They didn't take any questions. I thought they did the sport a disservice by that. They could have shown it. They could have shown the the film. You might not have liked it, but they'd have said, "Look, here's what we saw. Here's why we did what we did," just to make it more transparent. I just thought it was handled very badly. Not to mention the fact that look, and I have people whose opinions I respect that are on the other side of this. Uh, I, I thought it was a bad call, but I understand why people think it was a good call. But it, just explain yourself.
0: Well, not only is it a bad call, it, it sets up a, a weird spot for racing, Dick, and we'll get some bigger picture racing issues coming up. But, I mean, you turn your page to the Preakness, and, you know, if you were at home and you're a casual fan, maybe you watch for the Triple Crown only or the Derby was your first race, you're going to tune in Saturday night on NBC and the top four finishers from the Derby aren't going to be there. That, that's not a great look for the sport.
2: Not at all. And, and there's two reasons, obviously. country house, uh, I don't think Bill might ever wanted to go to the Preakness. He's not a big comeback in two weeks guy. He has run very few horses in the Preakness over the years. But then he said, look, after the country house was put up, he said, look, I feel obligated to go to the Preakness. And then the horse uh, got sick, and now he's out. I don't know when he's going to run again. So that's bad yeah. news. And then the ne- the other ones, maximum security in the next two They're not running back because they can't win the Triple Crown, and horses just don't run back in two weeks. We know that. That's the problem the Preakness has had. They haven't been able to get the best field. That's why the Derby winner normally is an absolute cinch in the Preakness because the field isn't nearly as good as the field he faced in Kentucky, and that is a problem for the sport, no question.
0: Well, to your point, uh, Bill Mott has never run a horse in the Preakness, and that continues, even running 1-3 in the Derby with uh, Country House and Tacitus once the official numbers. Went up. You mentioned War of Will. He draws the one hole, not a good spot for Mark Cassie, but it sounds like, in uh, listening to you talk there, you thought that War of Will was most impeded by the infraction, and you're going to go back to War of Will in the Preakness on Saturday.
2: It's, it's interesting. I, I actually thought he recovered uh, incredibly well and had a chance to win. The reason I like War of Will is not really having anything to do with the incident on the far turn. It was more what happened earlier in the race when he was locked in. Behind maximum security with the horses right next to him because the pace was slowed down so dramatically on the back stretch that's why all the horses bunched up on the turn is uh, max uh, excuse me war of wool's mouth was wide open I mean he was crying to run I got to think he lost some energy that way uh, and then when he when he could run he gave up huge run and then he just couldn't keep up with maximum security or never finished behind another horse so I thought he ran great. And I actually am probably going to get the worst of the odds because people are going to like him because of what happened on the far turn. I like him because of what happened earlier in the race.
0: Yeah, I, I we talked about this with Matt Bernier before you came on here. And I, I just, 4-1, to one, Dick, seems like a pipe dream. I know, I know you follow these things, yeah. but I yep. mean, everybody's picking this horse. He feels like, I thought Improbable, who I liked in the Derby and I'm going to eventually go back to on Saturday at this point, I thought he'd be the default horse, and you're a buyer guy. has got the fastest buyer speed figures. He's yep. got a trainer who wins this race at like a 30% clip with these two-week layoffs. He's the best yep. preakness trainer of all time. Man. He goes yep. from a, 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 a better turf jockey in IRAD to one of the best dirt, joc- dirt jockeys in big money races the last decade, Mike Smith. Yep. At what, tell me why. Is it just the price? Is it just you're being st- stubborn? Because this is improbable. Is a Dick Girardi type of horse in the Preakness.
2: Yeah, yeah normally I would agree for all the reasons you cited. like I think, and I've watched obviously all the trips of the four, <laughs> the four out of the 19 that have come back in the Preakness. I thought improbable. I, I didn't like the fact that he was locked in the whole way. But when he finally got loose, he didn't come with a big run. I, I just didn't like that. And, and he hasn't won yet this year. Obviously, he was in against Omaha Beach. It would have been my pick in the Derby had he run. I didn't like the fact that he got run down by long-range Toddy in the division of the Rebel. You know what else I'm thinking? As great as Baffert is, and he's the best at, at these races, we all know that, I don't think his horses are as good as they have been in recent years. Not talent-wise, not as good as Justify and American Feral. Beyond that, all the problems that they had out in Southern California this year he didn't give them the same preparation he normally was able to do. Sure. So I think that potentially is a problem. So I was really on the fence on this one because this could be the race where Improbable blows up now that he's really in shape. He raced him into shape rather than train him in. Uh, but I think you're going to get a bad price. I think he's going to be 8-5. to uh, uh, my guess is eight to five and five to two or two to one on World Wolf.
0: See, my guess was two to one, nine to five, and five to two. Uh, we're we're very yep. similar in that spot. Yep, we're not, See, we're not getting a good price in either horse. This is frustrating nah. to me because the the, the Preakness Dick yep. is a race where if you didn't like the Derby winner. You can come back and bet against him because you know he's going to be overbet. So you watch Giacomo beat a Fleet Alex, and you say, okay, there's no way Giacomo's going to win this Derby, and he's going to take money, and so I can use that, and there's value. So I'm admitting going in, there's no value in either uh, improbable, there's no value in war of will. So we've got to find value underneath. You want to go to... One of the local horses, always mining, who is not going to be great value. He's 8-1 to one on the morning line, but he's a local uh, factor here. War, Win-win-win. Uh, Mike Trombetta, some local angle there. Where do you want to go underneath the two likely favorites in this race, Stick.
2: Yeah, I'm probably Owendale. I thought his Lexington was really yeah. good with the 98 fire. And if this race is run like I think it's going to be, and I'm having real trouble seeing this race. Uh, I saw the Derby. I knew where maximum security was going to be. I, it's one of the reasons I like them. Uh, there's about five of these horses have early speed. So it's really hard for me to figure out who's going to be in front. How's the race going to be run? Uh, but if we have a really hot contested pace, then I think that's going to take horses like always money potentially out of the race and I'll bring a horse like Owen Dale into the race. Uh, so I think he's a long shot possibility. The other one is the other Brad Cox horse, uh, warriors charge to me of all the speed horses, And again, there's four or five of them. He's the one closest to the rail. I don't think they're going to send him war I think that'd be a mistake. I think Warriors charges closest to the rail, so I think they're kind of in it. They got to go. So if he comes out of the first turn loose on the lead somehow. Coming off a 97 buyer, that I think Warriors charges a chance at 12, 15
0: to one. See, and, and I, I hear that, and and maybe they'll end up going wire to wire or be involved there. The horse I got to bring up that it's going to kill me if we if we don't talk about him at some point today is Signal Man. Uh, Signal Man was a very good two year old. Uh, he was second to Knicks Go, who went uh, wire to wire in that Breeders' Cup Futurity. He was third, to game winner Nick's Go, in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, and then came back at Churchill Downs in a mile and a sixteenth. Ended up running down plus K Parfait and Limonite. In that jockey in the, the Kentucky Jockey Club, so it took some while to get back. He's not back until March. Went through the motions there at thirteen to one. In the Fountain of Youth was never involved. Then, as a tightener in the Bluegrass, was involved late and was right there ran a, a match his top from last year in eighty-eight Buyer. If if he needed those two races, why can't Signal Man Dick at thirty to one be involved in Exactas and tries and Supers based on some good two-year-old form and based on the fact that. You know, he, he can get the distance, and he should have the running style to be involved in the mid-pack and make some sort of run there at the top of the stretch. Yeah,
2: those are all good arguments, and I think if he gets that pace meltdown, which is not out of the question, that's going to improve his chances. Here's my issues. Uh, the fountain of youth was a pace meltdown. And he still couldn't make any, any, anything. He didn't sure. run at all. Yep. I didn't like that. I think the Bluegrass is a bad race, although it was the worst of the, of the prep, final preps. So the fact that he ran third doesn't do much for me. He still has an at 90 on the buyer scale. I don't like any of that. But these are the kind of races that Ken McPeak horses have a tendency to get in. Like he's like Dallas Stewart in that way. They train their horses the same way. They're all closers. Yeah, know, he's kind of horses could to be third, as you said, at 30, 40 to 1. Who knows? He wouldn't be one of my top selections, but I hear what you're saying.
0: Yeah, we see these horses uh, able to make runs uh, in, the, in, in some of these races late, depending on... Uh, how they end up shaping up. And I'm going to use him. I'm not going to use him on the win end, but I-, I would point to uh, this horse to be uh, interested. And I also point to, uh, you mentioned the Preakness. I was looking this up, and I was trying to stall for time. I should have looked at this earlier. Kenny McPeak, senior investment, ran a big third in this Preakness, either last year or the year before, coming yep. from the clouds in the slop, the cloud computing year, I believe he came up for third. So Kenny McPeak has hit the board in this race. Signalman is thirty to one. I'll be using it on the bottom of tickets. We'll get to a couple of the races here, Dick. So I want to go through uh, the pick four at least on this podcast uh, on the Preakness itself. Um, it feel it feels like more than ever. We are just counting down the the years until it's no longer in Baltimore. I, I spent a bachelor party, my own bachelor party at the Preakness, so I've seen it up close. It's a fun event. It's a great event. The owners and trainers and the horsemen that go there seem to love the experience, but the building appears to be decrepit at this point at Pimlico, and Laurel provides an option there up the road for a landing spot for this race. If I give you an over-under two-and-a-half years, how, how much longer are we going to see this race at Pimlico, Dick?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, there's obviously a lot of politics involved. The politicians in Baltimore don't want to see the race leave for Laurel Park. For the people that don't know, it's about 30 miles south of yeah. Pimlico, which is right in the city. And, yes, the, the facility has seen uh, way better days. It's on its last legs. Uh, they would like to find a way for um, the Stronach Group to maximize revenues for a great event. But uh, now, having grown up in Baltimore, to me, it's... It, belongs at Pimlico, but it belongs at a better facility. To have one, you'd have to tear this place down, spend, I don't know, $500 million. I don't know if anybody's going to want to do that. I understand business-wise why they want to move into Laurel. Uh, they don't have an infield there. There's a lake. It will be a different kind of event. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that's where we're heading. It's just kind of a question of when it's going to happen. And, again, I'll be nostalgic for it, but, look, I'm, I'm, I can deal with change. Uh, but having walked in a Preakness from a place I used to live and seen like 40 of them, it won't be the same in Laurel, but we'll adjust like we always think, that's what happens.
0: Yeah, I, I know it 's always been a race close to your heart. You mentioned Philadelphia, walking in the race. Is there a Preakness that, that stands out as simple as a Fleet Alex not blowing, the or Scrappy T blowing the turn, Dick, and a Fleet Alex staying up and winning that race?
2: Well, the two that I covered would be Smarty Jones when he won by the biggest margin yeah. in the history of the race. Certainly, the Fleet Alex was just unreal the next year. And then, of course, the year after that was the, the Barbara, uh, where he got hurt. Yeah. So, I mean, those three in a row, I mean, they were all Philadelphia horses. They were all my stories. It was like, whoa, it's crazy. But yeah, I, first one, I, I, I actually was in the infield for Secretariat, and I saw a firm. <laughs> So I've seen, I've seen a spectacular bit. I've seen
0: some good ones there. <laughs> uh, I not You're not going to see that type of talent this weekend, unfortunately. No. We'll see if War Will gets it done, both Dick and Matt, on the number one horse in this Preakness. As mentioned, want to go through this late pick four. We'll go through two of the races uh, with Dick. The late pick four is going to be guaranteed $2 million on Sunday, uh, Saturday. It starts just after 4 o'clock Eastern time. These races will be on NBC Sports Network and eventually NBC uh, on the big channel later on, but it's a mile and a 16th. They are Phillies and mares, three and up, going uh, on the turf. The weather looks excellent this weekend in Baltimore. The first triple crown uh, uh, there in a while where the rain will not be a factor. Uh, you've got a pretty uh, interesting horse down on the rail. I'm so fancy for Arnold Delacour. you got Chad Brown in flexibility, three to one. What do you want to do here in the Gallaret? They'll go a mile a 16th, race 10, Dick, the first of the late pick four that ends with the Preakness.
2: My key horse is going to be Mitchell Road, uh, the Bill Mott horse, less than a length from being undefeated, this four-year-old filly. Now, I'm not quite sure where she fits in with this group because he hasn't been in against these kinds of horses, but I like the numbers. They're getting better. Uh, I love the fact that she's by English Channel. That's interesting. Louis Siles ran her the last two times. This time it'll be Rosario. I wonder if Louie and Bill Mott are on speaking terms these days. That's a good point.
0: <laughs> uh, interesting race there, and he's give, uh, Dick's giving you a six to one morning line horse there in Belmont, going on the turf from Mitchell Road, getting Rosario that last time out at Fairgrounds, four for six lifetime uh, there on the turf, two runners up as well. Let's go to the eleventh races. They'll get back on the dirt. They'll sprint. Uh, it's the Chick Lang. It's the Grade Three. They are the three-year-old sprinters. Many of these horses, uh, hoping to be involved in the Breeders' Cup Sprint at the end of the year, and it feels like, at least on paper. Uh, when you turn your form to the final page there, you've got a pretty heavy favorite in preamble uh, for Rudolph Brissett, who got a tough break in that Oaks on Friday with positive spirit, did not break well uh, in the Kentucky Oaks. This horse is three for three lifetime, has run fast, has uh, been part of fast paces, has sat off of paces, and is five to two and feels like the number eight horse preamble. And the Chick Lang is going to be a pretty strong favorite, at least on paper, on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, to me, it's a two horse race. It's preamble or the horse just goes inside Pyron. Uh, looks a little like Matoly did last year for Steve Ashleyson, right before we knew how good he was going to be. I believe he, I think he won this race last year. That's kind of when Matoly, is maybe the best sprinter in the country now, blew up. But yeah, it's those two. They have similar styles. So it's very much going to be a riders race. You've got Santana on Pyron, Flora uh, on preamble. But I think both of them are going to be there the whole way. Typically, in a race like this, I would like the horse on the outside, but what I'll end up playing is the horse that's a better price. I'm not quite sure how they're gonna bet this. I would think preamble's gotta be the favorite off of two to five and a three to five. But how much of a difference is there between Preamble and Pyron? That's that's the part I haven't quite figured out
0: yet. Well, the only other horse that shows a 90-buyer speed figure is going to be the the Mal, Malpass. I'm probably saying that wrong. Yeah. The three-horse for Joe Sharp has done some good sprinting uh, in Charlestown and Fairgrounds. So I, I think you're going to see those horses take a lot of money. If you can get through that race with only two horses on your tickets as A's, you can start to spread in other spots, whether it's the Dixie or the Preakness, and get yourself into the Preakness with uh, some bullets to get home in that late pick forward. They're going to guarantee... $2 million. Uh, if you're going to be uh, at the track, going to be at home, go to ExpressBet.com, print out the wagering guide, and right there you get yourself all the facts and figures, all the details, uh, all the picks from guys like Dick and Bob Newmeyer and many others to get you set for Preakness 144. Dick, enjoy Baltimore. I'm glad the dry weather is going to make it uh, Seems like an enjoyable weekend, at least weather-wise, and look forward to talking uh, prior to the Belmont Stakes in three weeks.
2: It sounds good, Mike.
0: Thank you. All right, so there you have it. Two very sharp handicappers in Matt Bernier and Dick Girardi, courtesy of uh, Daily Racing Form at Matt's case and Expressbet.com in the case of Dick Girardi, who did pick the derby winner technically, I guess, before the uh, DQ. Uh they are both on War of Will, and I, I just I cannot go there. And I understand that my my other option here is not great from an odds perspective to sit here on a podcast in Boston, New England, wherever, iTunes, etc. Hey, I'm betting the favor. Trust me. This is not uh this is not giving me the warm and fuzzies, but I I mean I I, I looked at this race for, for for hours and thought about this race for hours and watched replays, and I I just, I just cannot come up with a good reason why I should not bet the number four horse improbable. Uh the odds aren't great. I understand that. But the odds are gonna be worse on War Will. I mean, maybe I'll be I'll be wrong about the uh the actual off off odds when they go to post at six, uh what time is it? Six forty eight on Saturday night. But War Will is getting picked by everybody. Everyone's on this horse. He ran terribly in the Louisiana Derby. And I guess he can win this race, but it's not going to be with my money on top. I will use War Will defensively uh, in pick fours and pick threes and doubles, whatever I need to get alive to to make some money. But I can't pick this horse on top. The fastest horse, the classiest horse, the horse with the the best Preakness trainer, the horse with the best dirt jockey maybe in the country is improbable. I know he's five to 2 or we'll probably be two to one or nine to five. I am picking improbable. Yes, he's the favorite on paper. I am taking him. Sometimes you don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Okay? And right now this feels like a gift and feels like a single in the late plays here. In Preakness 144. Uh, as I said on Tuesday's podcast with Jessica Paquette, I thought he got ridden like a turf horse in that Kentucky Derby. I thought I'd rather Ortiz try to save ground and make one run on a day where you'd rather be outside. You saw Country House get the outside trip. Uh, you saw inside was improbable, and in the end, I think that made a big difference. I don't think he liked the slop either, and I think he was part of an early pace that was pretty fast, so he's the favorite, he's not going to pay a lot if you're he's betting him to win, but I'm going to be c- pretty comfortable uh, keying improbable on top of all my plays uh, as potentially and likely a lone A for me. Uh, underneath, I'm going to use some prices. Mentioned Bourbon War earlier. Bourbon War is a horse for Bourbon Lane Stables. Got some great Boston owners, Jim and Mark and those guys, uh, part of Bourbon Lane. And we'll be talking to them at some point on this podcast, I think during the Triple Crown. Uh, he is 12-1 on the morning line. Got a terrible setup in the Florida Derby. He's uh, been training well for Mark Henning. Puts blinkers on and gets Irad Ortiz, who might be better turf jockey, but he can ride a dirt horse. I will take Bourbon War second. Give me Signalman third for many of the reasons why I just talked about with Dick Girardi. He feels like the price, the right price horse in this race uh, that I will take as the third horse. And you know why not? If I don't like War of Will, I might as well toss him out altogether. In my top four better for Curtis and Ken if he ends up winning. Uh, give me Owendale as my fourth horse here for Brad Cox. I- I'm uh, Dick mentioned that the pace scenario was murky to him. It's going to be a fast pace scenario. Uh, I want horses on the bottom of tickets that are becoming late, not that are part of the pace. And I think uh, a horse like uh, Always Mining has to be part of the pace. I'm not sure he can stick around for Kelly Rubley. Bodie Express going to be fast up front. Another twist of fate showing speed. Win-win-win, who I picked second in the Derby. I can't go back to with that 13 post position. He might uh, you know be involved late, and I'll use him defensively as well. But my top four for the Preakness is going to end up being the number four horse. Impro- you know the numbers. You can look at the form yourself. But Improbable uh is my winner followed by bourbon war followed by signal man followed by owendale that's my top 4 improbable bourbon war signal man and owendale and if uh improbable and signal man both run in the trifecta we'll have it some which way If they run 1 3 2 3 1 2 we'll have it and that'll be a a key for me is trying to find signal man somewhere on exact a trifecta ticket somewhere on uh, super effective tickets in this race, but I, I, I'm going to eat the chalk. Sometimes you try to beat the chalk. Sometimes you got to eat the chalk. I'm eating the chalk with Improbable, the four horse in Preakness 144. Uh, thank you for listening. If you're listening on the website, you can check us out on iTunes, subscribe, and listen there. I can also leave a nice review if you'd like. Go you to mock my picks. Certainly welcome to do that as well. I'm sure Jerry and Chris and uh, John and everyone's going to mock this tomorrow. On Friday, we're taping this on Thursday, so should mention that as well. Last note, this is Thursday, so be advised, could be changes uh, in the race, could be defections, could be scratches. This is all being taped on Thursday morning prior to Preakness 142. I'll be making my homemade crab cakes on Saturday. Some burgers and dogs for the kids would be crab cakes. My wife and I, it is Preakness 144. It is improbable. Good luck this weekend. Second jewel of the Triple Crown in Baltimore.